Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Chris. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We are so excited to bring to you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's get right into it. Hey, welcome back to another Equip Podcast. We're so glad that you guys are listening and we've been getting reports of this helping people. So we're going to keep doing it as long as it helps people. Usually we would address um, topics a lot of times like um, mistakes that are made in leadership or uh, we've talked what well, we've talked. What is it? What was the sports one where you beat up your coach? And we've talked about everything. Well, there beating again. up your coach comes up a lot. Yeah, it does. It's <laughs> made five different podcasts. But. We're thankful that your character has, uh, it has grown since then. But we, we usually address things probably more on like a leadership level. But I think we have to understand that I was just talking to someone recently that said we're dealing with the most knowledgeable generation of all time. And because of that, leading them, if we don't continue to stay uh, in tune with God's word and growing in the knowledge necessary, not only of his word, theologically, things like that, but how it takes place in the world and how we speak to it, right? We're going to have a hard time leading these people. And we're going to talk about something today, maybe some of our, our viewers, listeners, they know nothing about. Maybe they've heard it before. Maybe they are knowledgeable of it. Either way, I wanted to just tell you a couple of things. If you have more questions about this or questions in general you'd like us to approach on leadership, please either comment, um, send us a message here uh, in the chat, whatever it is, or email us at equip at gwafamily.com. That's what it is. Send it. So I want to keep talking about this and maybe you even just need to share this with somebody like share this with the pastor, share this with the leader, because we're going to talk today about the topic of deconstructionism. Mm -hmm. It is a word. If you're wondering if we made it up, we didn't. It's an actual word. It's a term being used right now, especially in like Christian culture right? Because we're talking about the idea of what is truth? How does this pertain to the word and the church I'm in and the leadership I'm under, authority, all these different things. And so let's just start by breaking down what is deconstructionism? I want to really talk about a couple of questions here. Let me, let me just throw them out and we'll get there eventually. What is deconstructionism? What's the problem that it creates? Is it a problem? Why is it a problem? Is it something we need to be worried about? How do we address it? Things like that. What's the effect that it's having um, in, in the modern day church today, when it comes to truth, when it comes to authority, things like that. And then eventually we want to get to this, uh, this question. It's the main one that matters. What do we do as leaders to address it, to lead through it? Um, because this isn't something that's going away. It's something that's increasing, if anything. So why don't we just start off? Let's, let's just define it for people and let's just begin to then kind of pull it apart and, and break it down. What is deconstructionism? Yeah. I mean, um, it's like a big umbrella topic. I think that's where it's kind of hard for people to narrow it down. There's plenty of like, I would say like Christian influencers or pastors or something like that who have kind of taken the term and turned it into a church word to a certain extent. It's become, it started off as a modern like term that has been commandeered and almost like turned into good language. But from the standpoint of, from a biblical standpoint, when we look at it, Deconstruction really is just the abandonment of faith. Um, it's it's questioning, and it's a really it's a foundation of doubt. Um, people and that and the hard part is everyone's going at it from a different angle. So some person can say I'm deconstructing, and can mean one thing, and another person can mean another. 
And so there's because it's so arbitrary, people have had hard times really like looking at it at its core. But if you start to, I love this, deconstruct it, like if you start <laughs> to actually like look at what it is, um, it kind of stems from like a modern philosophy that is built around postmodernism, which is this idea that like there is no objective truth. So like not to get too deep, uh, this guy, his name get is- Get deep, go for it. Yeah, Let's his, talk name about is, it. his name is Jacques Derrida. He was a French philosopher. He basically started questioning language. And he said, if you read a passage, let's like think about this like a dog, okay, right? If I say dog, like uh, my dog's name is Carl, he's a pug, right? So when I think of dog, I think of Carl, my pug. Well, you might think of a uh, Not your dog. Your dog. Yeah, he's an ugly ugliest dog. Ugliest dog I've he's ever seen. He's an ugly dog. But the problem is we both have our own viewpoints as yeah. to what dog means. Yeah. And so he was a French philosopher and he kind of like looked at language and he said, well, it's hard to really pinpoint the actual dog that someone's trying to say. So everyone comes at it with their own viewpoint. So he took it so far that it was no longer just like everyone has their own viewpoint on objective truth. He said, I'm going to abolish completely objective truth. And truth is what we say. Truth is what we speak. And so truth comes from me. It comes from you. And when we look at truth uh, or we look at like structures that we see in the world, they're built off of personal power and the ability for someone to usurp power upon others based upon their own truth. So the hard part is it's seeped into the church culture in different terms. Deconstruction is one of them. Postmodernism. Um, it's, it's like political as well. And I think that when we really like hear it from somebody, I don't hear someone saying I'm deconstructing. I hear like, I hear all the, the deconstructing podcasts that they listen to. I hear all of the, the random YouTubers that are abandoning the faith that they listen to. They're saying things that- You hear that, their dog. Yeah, I hear the dogma that they're, that they're espousing. And- so, so just to clarify here, this too. Like, cause eventually we're gonna talk about like, how do we lead you know, mm -hmm. people going through this, things like that. But just to clarify it for a leader out front, someone's probably not going to lead with, hey, I'm deconstructing my faith. No. You're going to have to begin to understand the dog they're talking yeah. about and begin to pinpoint. Well, I guess yeah. to the, like the, to understand the structure of how someone would say deconstruction works is, is they'd say it starts, first starts off with like a foundation uh, and most people would say that's, I have an evangelical background. You know, I grew up in church my whole life and then I started questioning some things and I started yeah, It always starts with an, an unanswered question yeah, I started or what they perceive to be an unanswerable question. And then, you know, I started deconstructing and the point is, well, once I've deconstructed enough, then I can re reconstruct my viewpoint, um, which I don't think in and of itself is a bad thing to ask questions and be like, oh, I've believed this, but is this actually true? The problem with it is most people stay in that second deconstructing phase uh, and they are deconstructing from a viewpoint of themselves instead of a viewpoint of truth, wisdom, or something to lean on. Uh, John Mark Comer, who is a pastor in uh, Portland, I mm -hmm. believe, mm -hmm. uh, he said, like, the problem is that people use uh, the world to critique scripture's authority, and that's what they do when they deconstruct. Instead of going, like, they'll start using the world's ideologies to start critiquing scripture, critiquing church structures. <laughs> and I'm not saying that every church structure is perfect in and of itself, but uh, if I'm going to critique a church structure, I'm going to critique something that someone says, I'm going to do it from a biblical lens. They're doing it from a worldly lens. They're critiquing that, that church or they're critiquing it. And they critique the church through the world. Now, what we're called to do is critique the church through scripture. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Is this church being scriptural? Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, and they're saying, well, there's, well, if we can't critique the church, then that's a problem. It's like, no, we can. We just have to do it through the lens of scripture. I don't know if, um, you know, listening to you, because I'm definitely, Pastor Angel and I come from a different generation. I don't know when this I think he's saying you're old, started. Dirt, older. Because in my dad's generation, he did church like his dad's generation. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just was always that way. Mm-hmm. But then in my generation, we, if I could use that term, deconstructed. The Jesus people. Right. Movement, the Jesus very movement. Much was... I remember the Jesus movement mm-hmm. in the 70s. They deconstructed not the word of God, but the way we did church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was all about deconstructing the way we did church. Uh, when I came here 25 years ago, I did that. It, it was very much in our DNA, very much in our generation that, you know, uh, we saw multiple back in the, I think, 80s, we started, and I won't name some churches, but we started, there's some ones that were like grandfathers of seeker-sensitive. And that became a deconstruction of, not faith, mm-hmm. but yeah, of... Um, like a structure. Yeah, you know, and instead very, of doing... The process, the system. It's yeah, very the interesting, because what you're speaking of is the difference between the method and the model, is what you're talking about, versus today... Yeah. The mission and now, the message is being changed. Yeah, now it's you it's know we, two very different yeah, things. Back too. in my day, it was always about you know the the methods change, that the message never changes, which is a great philosophy yeah. to stay with. But um, now it? it's gotten so much deeper. Yeah, today I think, the message is changing. Now. I think too with the, they, they usually that, start with something like very very arbitrary, very secondary. You know what I mean? Like something that doesn't. It isn't the foundation of your faith. It starts there. And as they as they continue to deconstruct, it just keeps going down and down and down until they're they've questioned the root of everything. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, I don't even believe in the inerrancy of scripture. I don't even know if scripture is right. That scripture was written by power hungry men who are just trying to, you know, hold that like hell is a structure that that the church built to make people scared so that they do what they want. Like and the reason the reason why it's this way, it's easy to look at it from this lens is because they've come from this lens of postmodernism, which says it, that everything is built off of my own objective truth. Mm-hmm. So if it's my objective truth versus the church, then the church, the only reason the church wants me in there is to just usurp power over me and use me. And that's why I need to get away and I need to deconstruct and I need to figure out for myself. Well, they've isolated themselves. They're their own authority. They're looking at what they think is correct instead of holding fast to something that has been correct through generations. Well, what I love about it, too, there was a guy in the early 2000s that wrote a book, or maybe late 2008 or whatever, wrote a book on this subject. And then right after that, Francis Chan wrote a book to combat that book and said, I loved what Francis Chan said, we are the clay. He is the potter, and we don't make the rules. And um, this guy that I can say his name, but this guy that wrote the book beforehand yeah, I mean, at this point is Rob Bell. Yeah, yeah it was Rob Bell. We're talking it was about. definitely ding, ding, Rob ding, ding. Bell. And uh, <laughs> Love wins. Rob Love Bell. wins. He literally tried to, or is, deconstructing the faith and deconstructing the word of God. Yeah. Well, ultimately, 
deconstruction is the <laughs> rethinking and the rebuilding of the Christian message and the church movement. Yeah. It's, 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 it's knocking it down to its foundation and then saying, we're going to rebuild it. And that's why I have a hard time with the concept of yeah. deconstruction. I don't have a problem with renewal, improvement, examine, you know, uh, revival, yeah. reformation. Those are different uh, right. yeah. aspects. Yeah, and that's a huge thing. Deconstructionism and reformation are two very different things that things. people try to make the same. They try to make them the same. I read an article from like a, like a, it's a Christian article. And I'm not saying that people who wrote it aren't Christians or anything like that. I just read it and it just like unnerved me because they're likening it to the Reformation. They're saying right. it's like Martin Luther. Martin Luther's goal was never to, his goal was never to break off. Right. He never wanted that. It just happened that way because they were like, I'm going to kill you. And that, what did he do? He wept yeah. and he pleaded to get back to the scriptures. Exactly. He convinced he, from, from the scriptures from the exclusively. And I thought that was what, interesting about what you were saying is, people have a critique you said like there's a critique of hell because it was just people's way to like keep people afraid and if yeah. there's fear then there's submission and obedience right and the problem is that did also exist like if you look in the in the dark ages of the of the catholic church that really was happening a lot mm -hmm. there was like doctrines quote unquote that were being taught that were from a place of trying to keep submission and fear amongst people and so because there is legitimate ways that you can look in church history and go wow they genuinely did screw that up that becomes the reasoning for a lot of these people. Anytime you talk mm -hmm. with somebody who's deconstructing, whether they know they are or not, some people will be honest with, about it. Like some yeah. young people are like, yeah, yeah I'm deconstructing. Up. Like they, like it's, it's almost actually, a badge of honor. Uh, now. Yeah, yeah, that's like what it, I was say. It very much in our generation and the generations below us, younger than us, it's more popular to be the person that's doing something that's uh, different than what everybody else is doing. And so there's this idea that like, if I'm the one deconstructing, then I'm actually, there's a pride to it that mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to be willing to go like, this is who I am and this is, this is, I'm more important now because I'm stepping into this realm that everybody else seems around me afraid to step into. And the way I really have been thinking about it lately to even to your point, like the illustration you were using is I look at it as like, say there's a house within that house. There's so much space for renovation. Yeah. Like that's fair. Like it's like I'm gonna knock this wall down and I'm gonna knock that wall down and we're gonna move where this is to over there and like that's all fair game yeah. because we respect the boundaries of what keeps this thing up. Yeah. But what happens in deconstruction without realizing it is they don't check whether or not a wall is, uh, you know, I think Chesterton said, uh, yeah. before you take down Barbarian. a fence, you must always ask yourself, why was that fence there in the first place? It's like it's poor practice to tear down a fence without pursuing the knowledge of why someone put it there mm -hmm. in the first place. And a lot of people, as they deconstruct, they don't realize they're not checking whether or not that wall is load-bearing or that wall was vanity. Because yeah. there is a lot in, the, in church history that was vanity, like that we can go, okay, yeah, that's, that's fair to be renovated, that's, fa that's fair to be reformed, that's fair to just completely abandon. Yeah. But then there's a lot in that that if you're not careful, you end up tearing out something that was holding up the roof. And at that yeah. point, if you take out that wall, you're no longer in the house. Like you no longer have the structure. And well, what they don't realize is they no longer have the covering. Like yeah. the, the walls, the boundaries hold up the covering so that I am always under the banner of accountability and authority. And the minute I walk, knock down the wrong wall, I just, I just remove the opportunity for me to be subject to anyone but myself. Yeah. yeah. I think too, like you talked about it earlier, this idea, and I, I just can see like a house in my head. Right. And even when you're building your house, I remember the first thing that they did is they dug it all out and they 
put the basement and the some I think it was all cement, right? And you build the foundation. Jesus even talks about, you know, the mm-hmm. wise man builds his house upon the rock. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them, unless there are some people that just want to see the world burn. That's a mm-hmm. real thing. But I think for the most part, no one's Did just saying, say you know that what? And not even like quote it. What? It's from Batman. I know, but I, I was some just men just want to watch the world burn. But my point is like, there's those people, but I don't think most people are saying, you know what? I just want to tear, tear it all down. It's like you said, they just kind of start picking. Mm-hmm. At I think it, though, and it slowly gets to the foundation. Yeah. I think though, to a certain extent, I agree with that. It actually often but starts also, healthy, but also it comes to this point where they start to look at it's the church against me. Yeah. And then, then the, the church has, there's nothing to save it. We got to tear the whole thing down. This article that I read, this, this article from a Christian publication said, deconstruction might be the end of the church in the West, but it won't be the end of Christ's mission or something like that. I'm misquoting it. Mm-hmm. But, the, but that phrase, it said that, the church of the West. And I was like, man, that is awful. Like, and they're almost just saying it like it's a passing thought, but I'm just like, you don't understand the gravity of what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah. Right. It always feels justified to his extent because it's like, there are so many problems with the church in the West. Yes. Like there are so many problems if you compare the Western church to the historical church. That doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't desire love, work in, move in yeah. the church of the West. Well, what's what's going to take its place? My yeah. point Modernism. with that too is, is I, I understand it gets to the foundation, but they usually don't start yes, there. No, so this for is, sure. I, I want to go somewhere here and I want to talk about this. So where does it start? What, like, they don't just wake up one day and you know what, I'm going to deconstruct. Because yeah. like your thought you even said a second ago was, let's deconstruct so we can reconstruct, right? But like, if you've ever seen a, a, like a deconstructed dessert or something That's like that. That's literally what I was going to say. You can't put that thing back together once it's decon. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to like, it's going to look like, like you took your hands and like shoved the cake. It's going to look like mud. You know what I mean? So how do they get there? Like they begin to pull a thread. What's the process that we can even help people tangibly mm-hmm. begin to recognize if someone is beginning to deconstruct their faith? Well, I, real quick, um, I'm sure you're better at, to answer this. To look at that, though, with when God says one flesh, you know, and God looks at uh, even divorce and he says, I hate divorce in the Old Testament. You know, he doesn't want what he has established, what he has instituted, what he has, what he has made from the beginning. He does not want to deconstruct. Have you ever thought about taking that one flesh, literally one flesh, now rip it apart? You got, you can't put the veins back together. You can't put the art yeah. without all the scars to go with it. Yeah. So what's the process? Like, what, like, what have we seen right now in our culture? Some, I would say some easy things to recognize that someone they're doing it. They might even yeah. know, maybe they don't even know they're doing it yet, but we could in um, discernment they're beginning to deconstruct their faith. John 18, Jesus is brought before Pilate. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest. Pilate says, you're a king then. And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate's retort is, what is truth? Like that, it's an age old question. Like it's like, that is always where I watch it start is they go, well, what, you know, what, what's the beginning of that DC talk song? The single greatest cause of atheism today Mm -hmm. is Christians. In the world today is Christians who acknowledge me with their lips and then walk out the door. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like like truly you will watch almost every single one of these conversations. People go, um, well, 
if Christianity is true, if God is real, if Christ is the ultimate, like if Christ is supreme, then the little Christs, the Christians, that's literally what Christian means, the people who emulate him, who are disciples of him, should be so much better than anything else. Like they should be so excellent in the way that their lives operate, in the way their humility is, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And because they don't see that, because they, they see so many walking contradictions, which I think is truly the problem that has to get fixed in, in what I watch, even I think so much of post-COVID of what God is doing is he's forcing so many people in the church who were just there to be there to decide whether or not they're really truly disciples. And I think you're watching people my generation especially, you know, it very much seems like deconstruction is kind of a young man's game. It seems like the people who are millennials and younger, like they're the ones walking through this process and they're, they're looking at people who they were told to respect, yeah. live um, <clears throat> unrespectable lives yeah. in a lot of ways. So partly they, how it starts isn't bad they're, because they're displeased with what they see. Yeah, it's, it's hard an, to follow what they see. And so then they go, well, but, that's what I've been told is truth, but that's just as awful is the people who are walking yeah. in what you call non-truth and their lives are seeming to turn out just as good or better. So then, so then, then the they go, becomes, what, what is, is truth? truth? Yeah. It just goes, okay, yeah. then, then what is it? And that's where all these conversations it's of really, like, it's really skepticism bred with, mm -hmm. with hurt. Yes. Honestly, it's like, uh, I think though it's also coming to a moment where it's inflated so much where now it's a common term and now it's a fad so it, hurt doesn't really even have to happen. Maybe disagreements happen. Mm -hmm. And because of disagreements, it's labeled as hurt. And then it's bred through more and more skepticism. I think the issue with it, though, is they can look at it from that standpoint. Uh, but the problem is they're still stepping into a like an ideology that has no end. There's nothing structurally to hold on to. They're walking into their own authority, and that's yeah. it. And they're walking into life, into the end, into the endless abyss, holding on to only themselves as truth. Mm -hmm. And so, although yes, I can, I can at least holding on to the mast of the ship that's you know floating in the sea. I can at least critique how we can do the ship better. It's better than jumping off ship yeah. and just being floating in the sea. And that the, they see that as re, as a relief. I think A.W. Tozer talks about when he talks about the will of God. It's like a ship. And you can go all wherever you want with on the ship, but the ship will end up from one place to another. It will end up there. Well, a lot of people now they're just jumping ship, mm -hmm. and they think, "Oh, it's, I'm so free. I'm so free from those constraints of that that thing that held me afloat." And it appears to be freedom, but it's not. Um, there was a like a Catholic a Dominican friar, and he I was listening to him. He's talking about like freedom and relief, how there's a difference between freedom and relief. And so people can be floating there and going like, oh, I feel so relieved. I have this community, yeah. this LGBTQ community that respects me and loves me. And they're looking at it from the grounds of community or just the grounds of acceptance in their mind. And they're thinking that's freedom, it's not. Maybe it's relief because you don't have to live, uh, try to live sinless anymore. You don't have to live in relationship, but it's not free. You're you're stuck in the endless chaos. You're stuck yep. in the endless abyss. I think maybe let me just say that this. I mean, the scriptures don't baby the church. Mm -hmm. the, the, the scriptures are extremely tough on the church. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. Oh sleeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, judgment begins in the house of God. Mm -hmm. Tons of stuff about examining. Yeah. At the same time, I'd be careful about how how people talk about the bride. Mm -hmm. And and. Uh, 
it, it breaks my heart. I can only imagine what it does to the bridegroom, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I, I mean, the way we, we rip on this church that's not quite perfect yet, well, we're not in perfection yet, you know? He hasn't called us home yet. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in some ways, I agree that the church hasn't done her job, you know, and it's turned off a lot of people and has caused them to con- or contributed to the deconstruction movement. But I also think it's a smokescreen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I think it's I think it's a smokescreen, and and I mean, I mean, ultimately, Jesus said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not knock it down; mm-hmm. will not overcome." That's good. And, and it, it so it, they can't they can't deconstruct the foundation. How are you going to deconstruct it? He's building it. They and can't. How, yeah, it's listen, his. how arrogant yeah. it is to think yeah. that we. And 2022 can rebuild it better than Jesus yeah. started it 2,000 years ago. Yeah. It's arrogance yeah. and it's pride, and it's based on hurt. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of wounds there and a lot of deception there. The I get all yeah. that, but there's so much pride in it that's, true. that's being missed. And that's what hurts me because I'm thinking, yeah. my goodness, if you talked about my bride like that, yeah. I'm going to beat you up like I did the coach. <laughs> She's so, probably beat him up first. She probably yeah, would. And, and, it's, and it's wrong. It's not wrong for Christians to go, come on, let's examine ourselves. Yeah. Let's get healthier. Let's yeah. get more mature. Mm-hmm. But when you talk so down to the bride yeah. and That's beat good. her up and blame her for how society's acting today mm-hmm. and blame her for why people don't want to give their life to Jesus, ain't nothing from Genesis to Revelation that tells me because of how we act is, how, is the reason why people will not come to Jesus. You read John chapter 3 light shined in the darkness and it exposed them where they didn't want to respond to the light it exposed them and and they turned away I think from there's the a light. difference too between understanding that that the father draws all men to the mm-hmm. son right mm-hmm. but also then scripture says that the way we treat each other well, people will see that and they'll want to come it. to know jesus it, there's, by it's that. a contributing factor and that's what i'm saying it's, it's it is a twofold it, it, it is, is a contributing it's factor. his work and it's what he will do mm-hmm. we i think but ultimately I, we're going to stand before the lord by ourselves not based on how stephen acted I'm going to have to stand yes. before and Jesus that's what I'm and saying. go. And I, I don't mean that in a mean way. We can be a great contributor. We can be a great contributor. But right. in the end, you know, like we're not God. We're not the judge of it. Well, there's that's such easy. a biblical lack of knowledge. Like I get really frustrated with the fact that a lot of these, a lot of churches only preach on the love, the love, the love of Jesus, but they don't preach on the fact that the, also the scripture says, I discipline the ones, one, I ones I love. And uh, right away, I think, you know, because we're living in the last days and the church has to wake up and realize that uh, night. This is where I just looked up the scripture in Second Timothy four, three. It says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, only Jesus, the potter tells the clay what his sound doctrine is. But now they're not putting up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. You and I were talking about something uh, the other day on uh, there was a version of the Bible that tried to be published back in 2012 mm-hmm. called the Queen James Version. In that community, it was a uh, community of homosexuals that decided, you know, we're going to take out Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to take out anything that uh, basically any scriptures that apply to this way of living, we're going to take it out of the scriptures or take it out of that version. And they called it the Queen James version. And again, it's basically saying the same thing to suit their own desires. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, 
uh, as the flesh rages in me through my life as a Christian and as a Christ follower, sure, I have that fleshy desire. God, why did you say this? Because my desires want to go this way. And, uh, but then it goes and it says they will gather around them. They gather around their little community of group numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Mm -hmm. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Right. I think mm -hmm. even taking that to the next step, we have to realize the difference between the generations. And this is what I think I could speak to senior pastors. I'm not one, so I'll just let it rip because I know this to be true. <laughs> the older you guys get, the further you are away from upcoming generations. Okay? And this is what a senior pastor this is how a senior pastor has to understand. You guys are are you both baby boomers? No, I'm a Gen X. So Gen X, baby boomer. I'm right on the edge. Okay? I'm, we're millennials, and then now there's Gen Z, and now our children are Gen Alpha, they're called right now. We have to understand that the more generations come up, the rules for them change. Can I, can I say this, though? Don't take me off track. I'm, I'm, I got a yeah, good lane. Yeah, but I got to correct something no, a little bit. I'm about to help okay, you. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Let me finish keep it. Going. Don't worry. Because I will you. say this. You won't need to say it. Don't okay. be my ripping point, on Gen my, X. My point, no, is, my, part there, my point is this. The truth is not going to change, right. but the need for how we approach it is going to change, meaning you have to understand a couple of things. Millennials were leaving the church. Gen Z never walked in. If you look at Gen Z, they have a 4% biblical worldview. They do not know Jonah and the fish. Mm -hmm. They do not know Moses and the Ten Commandments. They do not know David and Goliath. They do not know it. So here's what I would tell any senior pastor listening, is you have to be intentional if you're going to see this next generation in your church, you have to make room for them to want to be there. Yeah. And you have to be intentional to understand they do not know the Bible. They yeah. don't, they oh, don't yeah. know I it. Get, I totally so get what it. I find a lot of people doing wrong is we want to get caught up in preaching this or that, and it's all the Bible, but they don't know the basics. Right. If we're not teaching them the basics, why is it so easy for them to deconstruct? Because they never even understood the basics of the Word of God and truth in the first place. Yeah. So now you start adding the equations of church hurt, scars that they're getting and things that they never fix and things mm -hmm. that are... And it just starts becoming one big mess of them finally saying, I'm tearing this thing down. And, and we're talking about the very small percentage that even came into the church. Right. The majority of Gen Z, and I was sitting and thinking about like our, our youth, our young adults, your youth and young adults at sure. your church. Glory to God that we have as many as we have in the church right. because statistically, they're not even showing up. They're mm -hmm. not even yeah. walking into the church. So, right. so every time a young person in these generation walks in the church, it's a win. So we were actually even talking about this. I'm giving like practical things right now. Mm -hmm. We're about to do a series here this next year, which is literally a 101 series. We're going to break down the very most basic stories of the Bible and teach them the basics. Love the it. 101 of the Bible. Why is that important? Because if they don't know the basics, we can't start getting into depths of holiness and sanctification and, and, and teaching, I don't know, transubstantiation or whatever all these, like I'm not saying <laughs> all pastors go there. I'm just saying maybe there's somebody listening. No, it's, it's I, I felt to yeah. challenge and courage yeah. right now that you wanna preach here and that's not what this next generation's coming in need. No, they need right here. They need the very simple basics. Do yeah, you still I, need I, to I speak to that? I, yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. I think uh, um, 
and again, I think Pastor Angelo and I are the only ones that can speak to this part because of our age, um, that we need to stay very um, relevant uh, in our preaching, yeah. in our words, sometimes, in our, a lot of times in our words, not all the time, but in our words or stories. I totally get that. You just said, um, you, you said in the beginning where um, as we have gotten older, we have gotten... You're further away from yeah, the next coming generation. We are further away by age, but um, we're not really further away by understanding them. We understand them many times. I think a good senior pastor... And, and that's what I, to I've talked to him you two and I've are talked not to maybe who I'm talking to. And that could be true. But we understand them many times better than they understand themselves. And so we have just not um, uh, pressed into our age. We've just pressed in more to the conservativeness of the Word of God. And we've realized through all the years of getting to where we're at. Uh, we did some things that this younger generation, we did the same things. Yeah, for you know, sure. We no, did the same that. thing. And so what we're doing is we've learned after 30, 40 years, wow, the word works. Guys, yeah. don't, don't just deconstruct it. But so much of, I think, why you can be effective is your willingness to be close to them. Because sure. what you have to like recognize. I'm on be real, man. Yeah, I just heard. Hey, he's yeah. a baller. Yeah. Like what, <laughs> I, you have, what you have to recognize is this generation is growing up with an unprecedented amount of fatherlessness, like way yeah. more than what your generation right. grew up with. Right. And so, so much of their, of their, um, so much of their hurt that can like, cause I totally agree that so much of it's valid hurt, but it is a smoke screen. Like yeah. my call is like, I yeah. have to follow Jesus. Like yeah. I have to be the willing to pick up my cross, whatever right. that cross looks like, like whatever you were born into is irrelevant. It seems like when Paul writes in like Galatians, he's like, however you like, wherever you were, that's still how like God's going to draw you up from there. So I do think that there's a, a huge space for like the willingness for, for older generations or even their own generation to come alongside them and go, look, I get like what, what speaks to this generation, what will actually and oft, oftentimes keep them from deconstructing is a father. Yeah. Like someone to come Absolutely. alongside them. Paul goes, Absolutely. you have it many teachers. Like look at the world, look you at YouTube. You have many teachers, but you don't have any fathers. Yeah. Right. Like you have many teachers, but nobody's walking with you alongside that. Cause what happens is the seed of skepticism starts and sometimes it's valid. Yeah. And that skeptic, I heard somebody one time say, I think this is true. It says the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is unbelief, right? So it's like, it's this space of like your doubts, that's, that's valid. Like I can come to Jesus with my doubts. Like yeah. that's the space where a father comes alongside me. I believe. Where mothers in the unbelief. church. Yeah, like yeah. the mo fathers and mothers can come alongside me and walk through my doubts with me. Yeah. Because to a skeptic, what they lack is knowledge. Mm -hmm. Skepticism can fully be cured through, they, it can be satiated by just answer my questions. But what happens is when that skepticism breeds, because I was thinking about this as you guys are talking, I wonder how many deconstructed people are in our churches. And the reason you'll see that is because what happens is when that skepticism, when that question isn't answered, and they don't feel like somebody walked with them the way they, sh you yeah. know, they and then they, that hurt starts, they transition from skepticism to cynicism, to a cynic, no amount of the answering of their questions will do anything to satiate their issue. 
to a yeah. cynic, it's not about like, it's transfer okay, from the head to the heart. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, skeptics. It's like, well, what about this? Well, here's a valid answer. Oh, okay. To a cynic. Well, what about this? Here's a valid answer. Oh yeah. But what about this? Well, here's a valid answer. Oh yeah. But what about that? Right. And there's always another, because what was in my mind, even when we came into this conversation was that I, I love like MasterChef and shows like that. And they, like, what I have for you today, chef is a deconstructed cheesecake. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, like what a deconstructed dish is, is it's all the parts of the dish completely separated so that I can take each one of them individually. And if you really look at what people are doing when they deconstruct mm -hmm. is they start with the skepticism that the church is there for. Like that's yeah. the point is that yeah. we can have questions. Like that was why I ended up in ministry, like in pastoral ministry was literally that. It was like I got out of college and I was like, okay, I believe all these things, but I think I believe them all because of the house I grew up in, mm -hmm. the church I went to, the school I ended up at. Do I believe these things for me? Or do I believe these things because this is what I was told? And that's always where it starts. Yeah, but and is, that's, that, is that deconstruction? Or, no, but or that's no, the that's seed the, of it. And that's, right. that's the part where it's totally fair. Right. That's what I think every human being has to do. But what I had is I had a father. I had fathers and mothers. I had people in my life that when I started that, A, my heart, because the way I was raised, was to pursue scripture and to analyze scripture to let the Lord speak to me. But I also had people walking with me. And it's not mm -hmm. to say that, again, it's still I a smoke screen. I remember being scared because I knew how his mind thought. Yeah, yeah. But it's still, it still is getting, a smoke oh, screen Lord, help me. that yeah. it's like, it's not, sure. it's not your response. Like if you failed me as a father, let's say it's still my responsibility to not fail my children biblically sure. to like raise them up. Right. Mm -hmm. But so many people, it truly is a smoke screen, but when it transitions from that skepticism and they feel like their, their question wasn't answered to cynicism. And now it's like, it doesn't matter what's said. It's never going to be enough. And that it gets expressed so much in people mm -hmm. with church hurt that gets yep. expressed and you do that long enough, you get around the wrong people with so, that in your heart. They can just easily fully yeah. step away from it all. Say, this is all a sham because of the people they encounter. It's like Gandhi said, like, I love Christ, but I do not like your Christians. He's yep. like, if the whole world acted like Christ or if Christians acted like they're Christ, the whole world would be Christian. Yeah. And they look at that and they go, okay, well this, it's really easy to start putting distance and go, okay. Yeah. It's yeah, all well, a sham well, because Gandhi I've was, been Gandhi hurt. was wrong because if that were true, we wouldn't have crucified him. Yeah. If, you know, <laughs> and I agree if we loved the way Gandhi Jesus said. lived so much, we wouldn't have put him on a tree, yeah. you know, but because he addressed crazy. issues. Um, and I want to get to the generation thing because I think that's a powerful statement. Yeah, it is. But just the church hurt part, you know, because we're older, we got more battle scars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that in disrespect. I don't know what you guys no, have no, been no, through. No, 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 sure. right. I, I mean, I, I got, I got I scars on my back that are just gouges. Yeah. Yeah. I got more gouges in 30 years of being a Christian than I ever got in a bar. Yeah. And some hmm. of my bar buddies, I'd, I'd rather call up right now and say, well, you fight with me or for me than some, some church people. Now, I got some incredible people mm -hmm. in my church life as well. But, but I've got the wounds. I've, I've got the scars. Mm -hmm. And when I've gone through the painful betrayals that are horrific as a Christian and as a pastor, again, this is the key. I didn't deconstruct. Yeah. You know, I didn't say church you suck you know mm -hmm. you suck yeah, it yeah. you know it's and, and i'm starting you know i didn't knock it down i just yeah. looked at imperfect people yeah. that need to be renewed that need to mature they need yeah. to grow and up that's the renovation that need to wake up yeah. it didn't pull me away from the church it got me upset and bitter and offended you, for a season or two you but i fought in. through yeah. it in the faith you lean into jesus okay? and faith and, you know and, and, and as, as you get to the the generational thing um i mean our mission at rock church is reaching raising releasing and reproducing generations 
for Christ. Mm. And I agree with you. The older I get, the more difficult it is for me to relate to the generations. And and here's the thing is both of you, just to like put in perspective, are very relevant, very like uh, focused on wanting to reach them. Not not every pastor has that vision. What I'm saying is the older you get, the harder you have to work to bring yourself back to the basics. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what happens is the longer we follow Jesus, we learn so much. You take right. a lot of things for granted. Like, I'm yeah. going to have to Google some of the words they've said during this. Why? Because they read books. They've learned words. You just go my like point, this and my, fake it like my, me. My point is, though, my point is, when I talk to my, my three-and-a-half-year-old son, Zealand, I can't use certain words because he won't understand that's, them. Yeah, that's and we so have good. to understand that as we grow in faith, if we're going to see others grow in faith, that fathering is what needs to take place. Mm-hmm. And here's a thought that's, that's that I powerful. had, uh, I'll kick it over to you, is if you really break down the essence of deconstructionism, what they're trying to do is break down authority. That's mm-hmm. really what it yeah. is. It's the authority of God's yeah. word, and it's the authority of leadership. Church hurt and all this stuff with the church. All it's that, anything that, being over them. That leader yeah. hurt me. And, and when you talk right. about the home, the home is a covering. Right, mm-hmm. right. Leaders are a covering. Absolutely. Fathers are a covering. Mm-hmm. So you, and I would even say this. If to, you agree to, or not, the to, word to, is a covering. To yeah. ne- connect it with what you just said. In the homes, homes falling apart, right? What is the father? It's a covering. Mm-hmm. Right. When the covering of a father falls apart and they don't have that, any, that authority anymore, right. they've lost their ability to respect any authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same reason that it is in this generation with the police, the way people respect the authority of the police and first responders and the military and all that. You talk about the authority of God's word. You talk about the authority of, uh, of a pastor or the church. It's, it starts right there with fathering. It starts right there with the home. Deconstructionism at the very basis when it's like tearing apart this faith, it ultimately is tearing apart the authority of the father because of a father, mm-hmm. right? And you talk about a pastor and the church, his word. So then eventually it's like, I can't listen to that pastor preach whatever. Well, if he's preaching God's word, which is what we're all trying to do, their issue is not with the pastor, right? Their issue ultimately is with the authority of God's word. Their issue is then the authority of God's church, the authority of that pastor. It's not the pastor as the person. It's the authority that he carries. And I wonder, I'm just trying to piece it all together. Does it go back to the authority in a home of a dad? Mm-hmm there and and maybe that's part of it i don't know that's again just a i don't want to like give to spin off it too much because did you grow up with a great father i did not grow up in a great uh home with a great yeah father. so i don't want to like give too much credence to that my my thought is more like this is a generation where it's totally normal to have yes. no father right. i'm just trying and to put I mean, some of the connecting true, pieces though, together in, statistically, it is in true. any area of their life and again oh. it can't become an excuse but we also have to to like the church is there to I don't know if bear the burden is the right word, but the church is there to step in and to fill mm-hmm. that that gap that yeah. like we do step in and go like, I know you don't have what you should. So I'm not perfect either, but like, let me teach you a better way. Yeah, like, yeah. let me teach you. I, th- yeah. I think there's that like relational side. And then there is also, there is, it is where the relationship and the intellect or criticism breed. And we want to catch them at the crossroad before it transitions into cynicism. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it we can do in relationship, but the other part we can do is it might sound contradictory to what you said, but it's not. I think once, I think a lot of times the church has like a low discipleship model too, in the sense of where we take them through. Once they learn the basics, that's it. And there's not much more. And then they think, oh, so yeah, it's just a bunch of just a bunch of you know old white guys who are just telling me what to do, and they just believe it because their dad did and their dad did, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't realize the insane depth of 
of questions that the church has wrestled with for thousands of years. Yeah. Like the Nicene Creed was created because there was intellectuals talking through how do we take this? How do we understand the inerrancy of scripture? Understanding like theological concepts, like the depth to Christianity is so deep. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people go, once they get to the basics and they understand it, they go, oh, that's it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is, this is all there is. I guess the church has never answered this question for thousands of years. And the, and the answer is no. All they the church talk has about been talking about this Jonah for and so, the fish. Yeah. yeah. And then and it doesn't go The church deeper. has been talking about this for literally so long. You just haven't opened yourself up to formidable sources. Maybe it's not about the content, mm-hmm. right? Maybe let, let me just try to piece this together. It's more about the journey we bring them through. I was going to say, it's about you, the covenant. When you, go you, through, when you go through college, you don't start at 404 classes. Yeah. You start at 101. And right. the classes but, that right. you the classes that convert to your major are the classes where that you get, love the professor. Correct. And they get harder. But you're okay with that because you are in the journey, you're in yeah. the depth, you've grown. I think yeah. I would just say this. The problem, and I think that's good you brought that up, it, it's not that we bring people to 404. It's that we have to create journeys, discipleship mm-hmm. models, methods that allow people to get for, to 404. Because if you start some most people Someone like me, I'm, I'm just simple, right? If you start me at 404, you're gonna scare me to death. I'm like, no, this is whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you if you keep me at 101, I'm mm-hmm. also not challenged because the world. We have to understand this. The world is challenging them. And then the scripture yeah. you just shared yeah. in Second Timothy about sound sound doctrine. I remember like that scripture just being being reminded of that. Like, I need to keep to sound doctrine as I go because mm-hmm. I was learning some crazy stuff and being taught even mm-hmm. in Bible classes crazy things, yeah. right? But how about this? Um, I, g- give me your honest thoughts on this. Most knowledgeable generation that's said, why the internet, specifically social media, you think about all the different pastors on social media. You think about the, the need to, Jesus, the sheep hear my voice, being under an authority of pastor where you can hear his voice. I don't think there's something wrong necessary about gaining knowledge and growing in different ways and all that. But what about this understanding that they're hearing so many different voices. Yeah. And it's kind of like the same thing, but slightly tweaked. Do you think gaining that much knowledge, that many perspectives, I think it can be helpful, but is it becoming detrimental where people are no longer keeping a sound doctrine because it's it's becomes even less about the message and yeah. more about I like the style of the messenger that's presenting yeah. it. And so yeah. they'll even lose the message because they like how it's presented. Well, I think too that there is a, it, they have access to so much knowledge, but they want it in such short format that they can't truly digest it either. So like scrolling through TikTok, something that's trending on TikTok is how Yahweh in the Bible had a wife. And there's what? these tick, yeah, for real. They're saying that he and Asherah were married. And now there's TikTokers are saying, yeah, the, the you know, the archaeologists are saying this. And all these people are like, yeah, yeah, God has a wife. It's like hashtagging God has a wife. And they're, they're taking in this mm-hmm. and they're not looking at, at anything formidable that they're just going, oh, okay. You know what I mean? They're just, yeah, that's, that's what TikTok says. And there are intaking so much fast paced information. So much. I was, yeah, I was going to say, they're the most not like they this is the generation with the most access to knowledge but it is not the most intelligent generation yeah like by a mile like i can't do math because i don't have my calculator like if you look at the statistics of of a kid finishing eighth grade in the early 1900s they were they were reading and speaking latin they were doing high level uh, algebra and maybe trig or pre-calc like 
they were literally like the 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 literature that they were in was was way it was college level of what we call now. So how do we word this? More knowledge is made no, us stupid. No, but this is what happened was back in the day. If we go back to the fathering conversation, back in the day, it was incumbent upon the home to teach you how to think, mm -hmm. so that the school could just provide you with the things to think about. And there was so much more happening in the home, and often even their education was happening in the home. Where when you remove that, and when what we prioritize, if you look at American education, what we prioritize is not people learning and learning how to critically think. What we prioritize is that they learn the right knowledge so that they can pass the test, so they can check the right answer. We're no longer a generation that knows how to think, which is actually why we surround ourselves with yeah. so many teachers. And you'll notice the power, like what I said earlier, is like, it's not the content that matters. You know, Jonah and the whale. So they go, well, I don't believe that uh, a fish could swallow a man and that he could survive in there for three days and that if he did, when he came out, he'd be pretty messed up. Okay. First of all, so, it has been proven it's happened in this century. But uh, this is the skeptic, right? So the skeptic goes, here's my doubt. And you go, okay, that's valid. Here's the answer. And, it, and in that point, the person who's answering that question, right? Look at cults. Like, look at how many crazy cults you read. You watch these Netflix documentaries or read stories about these people. And you're like... How on earth did you believe that to be true? Like, how, yeah. how did you live in such a way that you had a clean conscience doing the weirdest things humanly possible? Why? Because they had made covenant with someone that they just trusted. Somebody was walking with them at a level where it didn't really matter what they said. They were game because they trusted the person. Mm -hmm. And I think we do have to try to be men and women of, of honor and integrity leading the church so that when people, when young people especially come alongside it, like I just have some people in my life that to be honest, if they were, if they want to convince me, you know, like if you have people in your life that truly you're walking in covenant with, they'll go, well, this is what I think about Jonah and the whale. You go, uh, I don't think that's true, but okay. It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the, the questions that we want to quibble over, the things that we want to make the faith about, like whether or not Jonah and the whale happen exactly as I understand it is irrelevant. What's is it a whale? Is it a fish? It doesn't matter. What matters? Like I was thinking about that this Female morning, reading fish. Hebrews, like, <laughs> like the righteous live by faith. Like, like my, the Old Testament didn't have Jesus. Hebrews 3 is talking about how they died off in the wilderness because they tested God and they were unwilling to basically put their belief in them. But even in the Old Testament, the, the test was just, it was faith. It was just obedience. It's like, will you walk with me and not feel like all of your answers, your questions are going to be answered? Like, will you be willing to die with right. a few questions, a few boxes you haven't been able to check off? Like, are you willing to sign up for that? And if you are, then there's a cross for you to bear. And if you're not, then you're a cynic. And like, ultimately, we have to be people that are going to be willing to like pour our lives into others. Because as we do that, you'll notice that the people who really want, like the spirit is drawing them, the people who really want it, they'll just be willing to have some questions that they don't feel like are fully fleshed out. And that doesn't have to be the basis of their faith. Like if Jonah and the whale being answered is the basis of your Christianity, you were never seeking Christ in the first place. I mean, you were seeking it Jonah. Just creating like, a space. Mm -hmm. A, a, for questions a and doubts. A space yeah. Yeah. where the presence of God can be there, where it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to have doubts. And that's fathering. Mm -hmm. And let's talk yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to say this too. I think that um, in the wake of modern culture where people have abandoned, <clears throat> I don't want to say tradition in the sense of like, you know, wearing certain type of clothes or anything like that, but the tradition of the faith, like what we believe, they've replaced it with new religious dogma that isn't that is very religious in its terminology and even the way it moves, but 
it doesn't look like it. For example, there are, I would say there are like uh, people that they would regard as very saint-like in the modern like mm -hmm. woke culture. Yeah. There's uh, ways to talk. Like there's virtue that, signaling. There's yeah. There's ways to speak, which they had problems with when it comes to Christianity, and they've just replaced it with a new religion, mm -hmm. and and that just screams to me that people they need the church structure. They need structure, and I don't want to say religious structure because I don't, I know where it's more than that. But like they need a, a belief structure to hold themselves fast to because if they don't, they're going to create idols. And that we've seen modern idols be erected from like this idea of wokeism, this idea of LGBTQ. Like if you like, they wear clothes that signify who they are. They dress priest-like. I would say, you know what I mean? Like there's there's certain colors, there's vestments that they wear. It's like very odd. Like when you look at it and you go, this seems very similar to like a religious structure, and it's because they're missing it, so they're replacing it with lower. Structure and all that to say is that I think that as the church, not only from uh, like a communal standpoint, fatherly, but to be like, listen, this is something we've. This isn't just something new we made up just to usurp power over you. This is something that we ha we have generations, you know, thousands of years of Christians who are strung together in in this. We're all like it goes beyond just you know some guys sitting at a table. Through time, through the dimension of time, we have been at this together. We have a great cloud of witnesses. And I think that them understanding like the, I don't want to say tradition in like a, uh, like a religious way or a ritualistic way, but the tradition of what we do based on the Bible is so rich and it can give you so much. And there, people, are, people are missing that. They're going, I don't have any structure. So they start creating their own. And it's so funny, it ends up looking religious. It ends up with like certain ways to speak, certain things you can, you can't say. They have certain people that they lean to, scholars and all this stuff. And it just sounds very, it sounds like its own uh, church, an anti-church. But uh, Well, YouTube has become their church. Yeah. Many of them. And, they're, and a lot of their uh, people that they lean to, yeah, the, is where they can find it on YouTube. And they find those communities. That's what so I was just going to say. Is we were talking like, about that earlier. Like YouTube, the model really is what the church has always done. Mm -hmm. There's the creator. There's the content that they're putting out. There's the face. Mm -hmm. There's the things they're distributing to you. There's the community that you're building around the people. And then there's the contributions through like Patreon. And mm -hmm. like, like literally that is the model of the church. There is leaders and there is the content that we're all railing around and there's the community that we're operating in this way together mm -hmm. and we're all contributing to it so that it can keep happening. That yeah. is the church model. And what's so scary about you, say YouTube, mm -hmm. because I know I've dealt with a, a lot of people who have come to me and gotten their information from YouTube, which is most of it's a lie. Um, the uneducated can, be, have, uh, can have a channel. Um, the the unspiritual can have a channel. The um, takes no credentials. I mean, I mean, literally, like real accountability for like who it's like you, you are. Can no on a, you can go on a website. You can get the credentials to marry somebody. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't right. Have, you can and do anything. You don't need the yeah. training. You don't mm -hmm. need the accountability. Experience. You, you don't need the experience. Uh, somebody uh, showed me a, a video the other day on when it came to. Um, uh, uh, Uber, 
driver accidentally, uh, or uh, I don't know if it was staged or what, it didn't look staged, but he picked up his wife. I don't know if he knew he was going to pick up his wife or he trapped her, but he picked up this couple, found out it was his wife in the back seat with another guy. And he had a mask and a hood on. And then after the whole... Kind of seems like he knew it was going to be his wife. <laughs> yeah. But after the whole incident, then this guy comes on and starts giving marital advice on this will happen to you. You don't, you don't own her. You don't own him. Not that we do own each other. But literally saying, you know, he was just giving bad marital advice. Uh, and no credentials, no authority, no nothing. And um, it becomes a cult. It becomes their religion yeah. through the different means. Like I think, think kind of like maybe to wrap, wrap up even this thought, and I'd love mm -hmm. to just pray and close, is it's pretty simple. I think what you said, this is God's church. Mm -hmm. Jesus builds this church. Um, we need a lot of work. He's mm -hmm. a solid rock. But I, <laughs> think, I think the way we have to understand how to respond is we don't have to, like when shots are fired, we don't need to pull out a gun and shoot back. Yeah. Like we need to take the time to allow space for questions. We need if to take the alive. time to allow space for um, just people to grow. Like I think even what you said is not judging too prematurely, but allow, pe allow people to grow, but also in fathering. It's like before I left my house today, my wife was like, you need to talk to your son and discipline your son. Well, I think partly we have to understand in leading the church, and this would go, I, let me just speak to so many different people could be listening right now. This could be a mom that's listening right now or a dad in their home. This could be a business leader. This could be a church leader. We have to understand, like, if we just be like, oh, this is happening, and I see it, and we do nothing about it, that's the point in which they deconstruct. And I think what we we're talking about is all these warning signs that it's happening, and we need to be able to see the warning signs and finally go, you know what, I need to step in and I need to father. I need to mother. I need to allow them to ask questions. I know even growing up, you would just, you would sit and ask us questions. You'd allow us to ask questions. I remember even when I was at a young age, you would not allow the school system to teach me on my sexuality and my maturing body and, you know, intercourse or whatever it was. You would sit down and allow us to ask questions and mm -hmm. teach us. And I think the church needs to come back to the model of, you use the illustration of a house. The church is the house of God. It's the people of God, and it needs to be a space like a family, just like at home, where we can talk about everything. We can screw up, but like church hurt, you got all the wounds to prove it, but you kept going after it, growing, not just calling it quits and be like, well, forget the church. But I think what you said is what rings in my heart is like, this is Jesus' church. We need to, we need to continue to preach truth, love people, and allow a space where we can allow not only people to ask questions, but we can also allow a space where we can sit and be like, I'm seeing this right now in your life, and I'd like to just tell you the next step and the next step, and eventually you're going to want to pull out the foundation. There's nothing wrong, like you said, with evaluating. There's nothing yeah. wrong with reformation. There's nothing wrong with renovation. But I think a point in which if we just start going, the church is under attack, we need to attack them back. Mm -mm. Oh, it's good. Haters going to hate. People are going to say what they want. Sure. This thing could go out on YouTube or wherever it's going to be released. Yeah. An audio podcast. We could get bad comments. People not liking it. Our response is not to shoot back. Our response is to create an opportunity for people to continue to grow in their faith. Yeah, 101, yeah. 202, Let me just add real quick. I know you're trying to grow. close, but if the church would just humbly admit 
where they've got their shortcomings. Mm. Not spiritual fathers and mothers not doing a great job with that. Apologetics, not having great answers. Um, you know, wounding people inappropriately. I mean, the list goes on of areas where the church has not done a, done a great job. I think we man up to that. Yeah. But what we do is we pro- we, we protect the essentials. Mm-hmm. We we yeah. protect the the non-negotiables, yeah. and we don't redefine them or deconstruct them. That's not the answer to the weaknesses of the church. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, wake up, church, because people are looking at us and they're not real impressed yeah. by the way we're carrying ourselves. That's good. Yeah, and if I could just add this, because I've said different times more to the adult crowd, it's not that this younger generation has failed us. It's you as the older generation has failed the younger generation. Yeah, and it goes to back to, yeah, to we got to man up. It goes back to the father. It goes back to the uh, divorce rate in the evangelical home is just as bad as the world uh, divorce rate. And, and it, it goes all back to those things that I really encourage. And I know as you do, Pastor Angelo, the mentoring now takes place. It's not, let's not try to plan so much about what you want in retirement. It's not trying to plan so much what you want financially. No, plan for this younger generation because we can't let this younger generation fail because the church will fail Mm -hmm. 25, 30 years from now. And uh, putting the blame back where it needs to go and that is on our generation. And, uh, and and to take it well to man up like you're saying and uh, but keep the keep the the foundation of what God has given us the foundation and uh, and then that um, honestly when we do that and when we do it with love and compassion that younger generation will follow. That's good. Paul I, tell with pe- Timothy. I, tell, I tell people all the time in my church, if you're not willing to pay the price and mm-hmm. pour into the next generation. Quit blaming the next generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it absolutely. breaks my heart to yeah. hear Christians ripping on the younger generations. Um, it hurts. It hurts my heart to hear that. Mm-hmm. And having, I've been there and I've done it. I've had my days where I pointed my finger, and, right. and the Lord gets a hold of my heart and says, "Disciple them better, pour into them more." Amen. Having a heart to teach too is really important. Along with that, I think that's what a father does. That's what a family does. But Jesus wasn't called a preacher; he was called a teacher. Like they, they said, teacher, teacher, because he was not only like preaching in the Sermon on the Mount, stuff like that, preaching to big crowds, but he was sitting down and he was teaching. Yeah, and he was literally just the parable of the sower, the first seed that gets plucked is the seed that doesn't understand. And I think that that's the first line of defense. It's not the seed that did, like what was it, like, oh, it was critical. It's just, they just didn't understand. That's okay. And so I think that if we can just realize that, yeah, been, there's been times I didn't understand. Or like, yeah, for sure. Like, that makes sense. That question, that makes sense. We've been talking about this for thousands of years. Like, that question is a really good question. Um, and there's we, some other great insights uh-huh. in that parable of why others fall away. Yeah. and Real practical spiritual insights. I know. And I think that if we can just uh, first, at least the first step is like, okay, I'm just going to sit and teach you. And then, yeah, I, I will be alongside you. I will be with you. But... Uh, it's more than just like what you hear on even a podcast. Like it has to be more. It has to be teaching you, walking you through yeah. certain things like that. And so yeah. doubt should never be 
um, used as an arbiter of whether or not they should be in the church or not. It's, it's really about whether or not you, it's really a, a great indicator that you should be in the church, yeah. mm-hmm. not shouldn't be in the church. Because I think C.S. Lewis, I'm going to butcher it, but he says something like, being a Christian doesn't mean I'm better. It means I realize I'm worse. Mm. And I need a savior. The worst of sinners. I need people to be alongside me and with me and fight with me imperfectly, terribly, annoyingly, but we're going to do it together. It's good. good. Pastor Tyler, I'm going to have you pray here in a second. But I would just say, if this helped you, uh, would you please share it with somebody? Mm-hmm. Would you um, message us? Like I said, you can uh, email us at equip at gwfm.com, comment, DM, whatever, get a hold of us. Uh, we really would love to just continue to talk about this. And if it helped you, share it because we're hoping that, um, that this, this can be a word that can get in the hearts of people, be helpful to leaders, be helpful to anybody that wants to to grow. And also, if I could just add this in, I mean, if if some of you are watching that really is struggling with some of the things that we're saying, instead of being nasty on the comments, really pinpoint some of those areas for us so we can maybe do another podcast on those areas. Uh, you know, I see on some of these comments with, you know, just watching YouTube or, or anybody on social media, you know, they, they want to attack. Um, we don't, you know, we're okay. We, we have tough skin, but... We'd rather for you just to um, pick this apart for us, help us, and so we can maybe do another podcast mm-hmm. on some of your tough questions. It's good. It's good. We close this out. Lord, thank you for the foundation of your word, your truth. Lord, we pray right now for anyone who has a family member or anyone right now who's watching that is struggling with uh, doubts and are welcomed into this, uh, welcomed into a camp that wants to take those doubts and wants to stretch them along and pull them into a sea of uh, cynicism and of criticism. So Lord, we pray right now that you will meet those people. Um, We pray for all the family members who have uh, people that they know of and they're in church, but their family member isn't, that they will be um, brought back to the faith, brought Mm -hmm. back to the thing that uh, will keep them in communion, not only with your church, your holy church, but with you. And Lord, we pray right now for um, them. We pray a specific word um, to to inundate their heart, to be upon them. And the Holy Spirit, even though they're just listening to a podcast, will move in the room that they're in right now. And God will come alongside. He will teach. He will father. And he will be with you. Mm. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.